Hi everyone and welcome back to the Empowered Patient series. We're on episode 11 today and we're coming off of last week's episode of busting some common misconceptions about meditation and different meditative approaches. And if you are in the beginning stages of cultivating a practice, some tips or tricks to keep in mind as you do that. So I would love to hear from you all how that resonated with you, if you had any ahas, if you tried any of the practices or parts of the practices that we talked about. Um, I would just love to hear from you. So in today's episode, we're actually going to talk a little bit about mental health awareness, and I'm going to share my personal story with anxiety, panic attacks, and depression. So let's just dive right in. Um, if you didn't know, last week, Wednesday, was um, World Mental Health Day 2018, and if you were at all like me and you saw um, people posting on social media and things about this and some a lot of people sharing their personal journeys with it it just took me aback a little bit and gave me pause and a reminder that wow this is so common and pervasive and as i resonated on it over a few days i realized now is a good time to share my own personal story with it. and the reason that this is important to me is because historically there's quite a negative stigma surrounding dealing with mental health challenges, experiencing emotional and mental discomfort. So I really want to be a strong advocate and presence for just creating the awareness that experiencing mental and emotional discomfort is common. It is normal. It is human. It is a healthy part of our experience. But if we continue to see it through the lens of the past, we may feel like there's something wrong with us, that we're under-functioning or that we need to be fixed in some way. None of us want to feel like there's something wrong with us, that we're faulty or broken in some way, or that even that we're put into a category that makes us different or other than. And so I think the more that we can be aware of our own experience and honest and forthcoming about our own experience of anxiety, our own experience of strong emotions and challenging emotions, the more common we'll see that it is, the more connected we'll feel with one another in this experience and the more that we can support one another and walk each other through it. So um, with that, I'll share a bit about my own experience um, because I realized in, in reflecting on this and reflecting on World Mental Health Day that even though anxiety and depression and panic attacks were a significant part of my history and even though I'm a strong advocate for mental health support and it's something that I prioritize in my life to this day, I see a therapist to this day, not because there's something wrong with me or I'm under-functioning, but because I want that continuous objective support in my life, that I haven't openly shared about my past history with it. And I realized that although I feel very comfortable sharing about it now, in the past, even though I was an advocate for mental health support then, and even though I was studying psychology and I have two degrees in psychology, I felt the stigma and the discomfort around reaching out for help. I held the subconscious belief that there was something wrong with me or that I was somehow inadequate for experiencing these things. And as someone who studied psychology, I also felt that because I had studied these things that I should somehow be immune to experiencing them. 
but I am not, I was not, and no one is. So here it is. Um, I had my first panic attack, experienced my first panic attack when I was a freshman in college. It was about midway through the semester. And um, even though I had a history of being um, pretty controlling and a planner and pretty rigid and perfectionistic with academics and how I approached different things in my life in general, and college was a massive lifestyle adjustment for me, the panic attacks seemed to come out of nowhere. And they were significant and they were severe. Uh, I couldn't breathe. My heart felt like it was gonna beat out of my chest. My ears were ringing. Um, I, my hands went numb. My body was tingling and cold and trembling. I had tunnel vision. It felt like my mind was splitting into a million pieces. And I remember feeling like, one, I'm going crazy. And two, I'm having a heart attack. And then it passed, thank goodness. Um, however, because it felt like it came out of nowhere and it, it didn't feel like there was one specific trigger or a thing that, that brought it on, I became almost obsessed with looking for the signs of when the next one was gonna happen. I felt hypervigilant. Um, going out in public was no longer fun for me or exciting. It felt terrifying because I didn't know if and when a panic attack was gonna hit and how I was gonna get out of the situation. I started showing up to class earlier so that I could specifically get the desk closest to the exit in case I felt the symptoms coming on and I wanted to bolt. Um, being social or having relationships completely changed for me. I felt completely exhausted. I never felt hungry. Um, I started to lose a lot of weight and um, felt increasingly weaker and despondent. And um, as this went on for a bit, probably my low point that I remember was just feeling these waves of intermittent panic hitting and hitting and hitting so that I went three days without sleeping, not a wink. I laid on my um, bunk bed in my dorm and I remember just hearing the pulsing beat of my heart in my ears. And I remember um, sharing this with my mom and feeling like a total and complete failure when she asked the question, do you feel like you need to take a break from college? Um, and that was really painful for me, but it actually motivated me to take some sort of action and reach out for help. So over one of my um, weekends home, I saw a general practitioner and it was a very quick and brief consultation. And I was placed on an antidepressant and two different anxiolytics one for general anxiety and one to take as needed when I felt the symptoms of panic come on. And um, if you've ever been on an antidepressant or know about them, you probably know that when you're taking one, um, it's often recommended that you work with a therapist or a counselor at least in the first few weeks because of the, the side effects. So I began working with an on-campus counselor and I actually, this was my first experience with therapy or counseling and I actually don't remember anything about the sessions. Um, I remember it was a woman. I remember that she was in training on campus. So our sessions needed to be tape recorded for supervision. And um, I remember crying a lot, especially at first. And I remember just um, emotions and thoughts and beliefs and patterns of a lifetime pouring out. And I remember feeling like hopeless that nothing was gonna change. Although as I continued to show up over the course of the semester, gradually, gradually, I did begin to feel a little lighter. Um, and with the pharmaceuticals, um, at first, they were very helpful. 
at least with the panic attacks, I felt like I had some semblance of control over the sensations and the experience of my body. However, even though they, they did help me um, begin to eat again, begin to sleep again, I did feel like a walking zombie. I felt completely numb. I felt completely emotionless. And it still took every ounce of clinging to my identity as a good student and a good girl um, to show up for class just every ounce of my energy. And I remember after a few months, um, I was lying next to my boyfriend at the time in bed and just coming to the awareness that I was completely numb, that I did not feel my body. I did not feel any emotions. I didn't even feel the bed underneath me. And I had the thought that this is not normal. This not feeling at all, this being completely numb, is not normal. This is not how I want to feel. This is not my version of healthy. So it was in that moment, sort of that transformational shift that I resolved to wean myself off of the medications with help, supervised help from the counselor and from the practitioner and to find resources within my life and the way that I was living to cope better with feelings, to to create the space and the awareness to actually feel my feelings. And I just wanna say that that was a personal choice of mine and I completely respect and support those who want to thrive with pharmaceuticals. Um, the point that I'm trying to make is that it's increasingly easy and accessible to distract, to numb out, to run away from our emotions and um, discomfort of feeling them. We can numb them through eating. We can numb them through exercise. We can numb them through binge watching TV. We can numb them through scrolling through social media. Um, so what I'm trying to advocate for, what I am advocating for in my own life and supporting others in is creating the space to become aware of the discomfort and what's causing it and to be with it. So that has been about a decade long journey for me at this point. And so I'll just share sort of how that's progressed for me because I think it looks different for each and every one of us and there's a wide variety of coping tools available to us. So what served me may not serve you, but maybe one of the things that I share will serve you and they may change over time. I think the greater our resource bucket, the better. So um, actually when I was, one thing that I do remember from my counseling sessions is that my counselor said, when you feel a panic attack coming on and your mind thinks you're having a heart attack, what I want you to do is find the nearest staircase and to start running up and down the stairs so that you can rationalize that you're not actually having a heart attack. And so I did do that and I was desperate to try anything at that point. And it actually really worked for me. It made the rational shift or the click in my mind like, okay, this is really uncomfortable and these symptoms are really intense, but I'm not having a heart attack. I'm not dying. Um, and that actually led to incorporating regular exercise into my routine. And up until that point, I had only exercised for aesthetic reasons. I had only exercised to stay skinny, to stay fit, to look good. And so exercise began to take on a, a different meaning in my life. It had a, a greater significance in why I was showing up because it really became a coping mechanism for moving those feelings of discomfort through. I would say that it did become 
almost an addiction, an obsession, and a distraction when it was my only coping mechanism. Um, but it did have positive effect as well, and it did serve me. Um, fast forward a few years, I had been doing pretty well. I felt like my anxiety, my anxiety was pretty well managed. I was off of all medications. And then I entered into grad school program. So new life changes, a lot going on, a much heavier workload. And um, life stuff happening too, of course, because we don't live in a vacuum. Everything's happening all the time. So I began to experience symptoms again, but this time they were totally different than my first experience with anxiety and panic. They were much more um, neurological feeling. I felt a lot of vertigo. I felt like I was going to fall out of my chair. Um, I saw flashes um, in my eyesight. Um, so I didn't immediately make the connect anxiety or panic or stress even, because it felt so different than my first experience with anxiety and panic. However, I saw a doctor just to make sure there was nothing going on. And when I shared what was going on in my life and that I was getting ready to defend my thesis, he put together that it was likely a time of increased stress and anxiety in my life. And he actually did prescribe Xanax and um, gave me just a couple to take as needed through the week of my thesis. And I did take one. So um, it was really supportive for me during that time. However, also during this time, I began to practice yoga. And I will say like, a lot of times people say, I'm just not a yoga person, neither was I. Um, although my body tends to be more flexible, so stretching wasn't super uncomfortable, slowing down was massively uncomfortable for me. And the first months of sessions were excruciating because I was slowing down enough to let the thoughts come up, to let all the stuff that I had pushed down and shoved down and ignored and distracted and numb to come up and to take space. So the anxiety was very potent, very visible and visceral. And um, there were many times, especially during Shavasana, where my mind was just going, 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 and enough to bring me to tears, enough to make me leave class early, which I did, um, enough to make me want to run out of the room and scream. So it's not comfortable. Being with these things is not comfortable. However, it is my belief that if we continue to push them down and distract and numb, they're going to continue to show up in our systems as a form of dis-ease, of discomfort. That may show up physically as migraines, tension headaches, muscle tension, other physical and health conditions. Until we hold space for them, become aware of them, and let them move through. I'm just not saying that this is easy or that this is a fast process. So I began to practice yoga. I had a dedicated practice, still have a dedicated practice. And that's been going on for about mm. since 2010 now, so eight years. Um, about four years ago, or maybe just three years ago, my practice began to include focusing on breath and meditation. So I didn't jump into that right away. It really started with the physical, with exercise, then a physical but more aware movement practice with yoga, and then breath work, and then meditation. And so here again, I often hear, oh, I tried meditation. I can't do that. My mind goes crazy, or I'm just not a meditator. I'm a mover. I can completely relate to that. So was I. It is uncomfortable to be with our thoughts and our emotions and to not run away or distract or numb. That's a more common pattern for most of us. So when I first started meditating, it just felt like I spent five minutes, 10 minutes, and sometimes 20 minutes thinking. 
watching my mind go crazy and sitting still rather than reacting to the thoughts, rather getting up and making that phone call or writing that email or doing that task that I forgot, not getting up and, and responding to it. And I'll never forget the first time that it really sunk in. I was sitting in a meditation room at a retreat, a yoga and meditation retreat or training in India. And our teacher said during meditation, you are not your thoughts. You're the witness of your thoughts. And maybe I had heard that before, but then it really sunk in. It just really integrated. And I was like, wow, these things that are coming up that have created so much anxiety and pain and urgency and all the things that we feel based on our thoughts, they aren't me. I'm watching them. I'm the one witnessing them. And therefore I can choose how I respond to them. But what's required before that is to become aware of them. So if we don't slow down and practice awareness in some way, whether that's journaling thoughts as they come up, whether that's going for a meditative walk, whether that's prayer and contemplation or meditation, if we don't create the space for awareness, they will continue to drive us and we will feel the uncomfortable sensations and not know why. That's what I believe. So that's why I'm such a strong advocate for creating an awareness practice in your life, meditation or not, and then being with it, being with it without reacting to it. So let the thoughts come up, let the pain come up, let the emotion come up, let the sensation come up, hold space for it, hold compassionate space for it, be gentle with yourself and begin the process of creating space between who you are, and this flurry of thoughts that's going to keep coming up as long as we're alive. So that has been my journey with it. And I will say that I'm not completely free of anxiety. I'm not completely free of feeling depressed feelings and thoughts. I'm not even completely free of panic attacks. However, I don't feel so out of control anymore. I don't feel like they come out of nowhere. I feel greater and greater comfort with being with the discomfort, greater awareness of what the thought is that's arising and where it comes from and how I can be with that and how I can listen to that and how I can honor that. I don't believe that just because I experience anxiety or depression or any emotion for that matter, anger, judgment, shame, guilt, I don't believe that there's anything wrong with me. And I don't believe there's anything wrong with you for feeling that either. I think it would be a great service to our world if we began to feel our feelings and to process them and to create awareness around them. So I will say that. <laughs> I will say that when the strong emotions and sensations arise, they don't have as much pull on me as they used to. I don't feel like I need to respond immediately at least not most of the time. And even when I do feel that, I can be with that. I can say, okay, I can see that this is strong for me right now. This is an intense emotion or sensation. And I can see that I wanna respond in this way. I wanna get out of this feeling, but I'm just gonna be here and I'm just gonna breathe and I'm just gonna hold space for it. I don't need to be anything. I don't need to do anything and it's all okay. And there's nothing wrong with me. And I will say that saying these loving and kind and compassionate things really makes a difference. It probably diminishes my anxiety to about 50% every time. So it's a really strong practice for me. And 
I'm sharing all of this with the hope that this serves you in some way, that you feel less uncomfortable about sharing the uncomfortable emotions, or you feel a little bit more inclined to try some of these practices or coping mechanisms, or you even just become a little bit more curious about where you might be distracting or numbing out or running away from the emotions and the thoughts and the beliefs and the patterns that come up that you don't want to feel. So that is my hope. And also, if you would love some support through this, and this is part of your health focus right now in your health journey, I really encourage you to, to honor that and to seek the support that you desire, whether that be through seeking out a therapist or a life coach or a health coach, or even reaching out to me. I have one space available in my private coaching practice right now, and I'd love to connect with you and see if we're a good fit for working together. Um, and if you're not ready to reach out to someone, just try some of these awareness practices. And I would love to hear from you if you do give them a try, um, if you do create some space for awareness and what you notice. It's, it's amazingly potent and powerful and just right there for us all along. <laughs> it's inherent. Um, so I would love to hear how that goes for you. And um, just keep in mind that these, these uncomfortable emotions and sensations are completely normal and completely human. No one of us goes unscathed by life. We all have experiences and we all learn to react or respond in a certain way. So there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken, you're not faulty. You are completely human, just like the rest of us. Um, so hopefully that allows you to feel a little bit more connected to each of us and a little bit more a sense of belonging, which I think so many of us desperately want to feel. And um, again, just hoping that this serves your highest good. That's it for this week. See you next time.